0: Good afternoon today on Creative Blessings uh, we are launching our first broadcast here of the Creative Blessings podcast with Father Nico Becris and Chris Katsakis and uh, welcome father how are you
1: doing fantastic nice to have this up and running Chris yeah. thank you
0: thank you for uh, jumping in on this project together and I'm looking forward to many more uh, basically we are taking the idea of father's blog which is a very very informative blog on comic books as it relates to theology and to everyday life Uh, it's called christ coffee and comics and i had the honor of being interviewed last year by father uh and uh you want to tell us a little bit more about it
1: sure first of all thank you for uh doing the interview last year thank you for supporting the blog thank you for liking the blog thank you for sharing the articles um, you and Janet have been awesome um, during this whole time. So basically, um, I am a Greek Orthodox priest, and I graduated seminary 2008. I've been in California ever since. My wife and I were married August of 08, and I started serving in San Francisco at Annunciation Cathedral in September of 08. I was there for seven and a half years, and the last two I have been in, um, at uh, the Church of the Resurrection in Castro Valley, which is um, just across the bay, one bridge over. <clears throat> and it's uh, it's been really, really wonderful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sure. The blog was something I started while I was in San Francisco. Um, I always thought at seminary that I think every priest should have a blog of some kind. I think it's just awesome to hear about, you know, what a priest is reading, what a priest is praying about. Um, really any Orthodox Christian, any Christian. You know, I'm, I'm very curious to, you know... Get inspiration from hearing people's thoughts, and so I thought it'd be something that would help in ministry. And uh, initially, I started it by writing at a different coffee shop in San Francisco. As you may or may not know, the <clears throat> excuse me, the food and coffee scene in San Francisco is pretty cool, um, ripe for young adult ministry. Um, we did a lot of young adult events there, so it just seemed like a natural extension to do a little bit of writing there and take pictures of coffee shops in the city and everything. It was pretty cool, so. Um, simultaneously, as we know, there is this boom going on of superhero movies and TV. Um, as a lifelong comic book fan, um, for, for me, and I'm sure for you too, Chris, it's like living in a gushing oil well or something. I mean, we're like in the golden age of you know, superheroes in Hollywood. So, yeah, what has be- um, so you-
0: It's become mainstream to the point of you never would have thought of this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell me about it. I mean, you know, characters' names are being pronounced in everyday life um that i thought ne- no one even knew of them besides me you know 10 20 years ago so um anyway so it's a pretty cool thing so it's in the zeitgeist nowadays and i always loved um trying to relate you know our faith and theology to pop culture so it just seemed like a no-brainer and plus you know i just you know i'm always looking for something new to do and something new to help with ministry so um so i started the blog in early 2015 and um it's going great i've interviewed a couple of uh, comic book creators, uh, more so in the beginning. Uh, Originally, I saw it as something that was just for everybody, um, you know, orthodox or not in San Francisco and kind of in the whole young adult, young professional scene. But as I started going, I saw that the majority of my hits were coming from, you know, my own Facebook page or orthodox Facebook pages that I was, um, you know, posting on. So it, it seemed that the vast majority of the audience was actually orthodox Christians, so about a year ago, I'd say maybe shortly after I came to Castro Valley, I did a little bit of a left turn with the blog, and I started writing it more specifically for Orthodox Christians. And again, it's been going great. I know that, um, you know, I mean, I don't know how much of a measure of, uh, you know, this is, but I, I post about one article a month It got a little bit harder after I started having kids, which is a sure. huge blessing. Uh, the cre- a creative blessing of the biggest kind, as you know, Chris, uh, being, being a dad yourself. Um, but, uh, so I do about one article a month and I think after two years I have about 14, almost 15,000 hits, which is, which is cool. Fantastic.
0: Um,
1: but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great, but I just want to make sure that it's always being used as a ministry and, um, I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of transforming it and bringing it to a whole new level, hopefully. And if this podcast is able to help people on their, you know, commute, um, to work or anywhere, or maybe in a youth group setting or anything like that, I think I'm just, I'm just thrilled about it. So it should be noted before we like really dive in that um, for those listening, that Chris, um, this was his idea. Um, he is a very devout and faithful Orthodox Christian. He's not going to tell you that, so I will as a priest. I think I can do that. Um, and uh, he is also um, footing the bill for this, and he's coordinated his contacts on his end. Um, i'll let him say a little bit about what his contacts look like and from where he's found them and everything but um but for now i just wanted to publicly acknowledge chris and all the hard work he's doing not just with his career but well obviously with this podcast as well as a as a ministry for the church so um so chris thank you so much for that
0: oh thank you father it's just it's a blessing and it's it's an apropos title creative blessings that we move forward with this and i'm so glad that you accepted when we spoke about this a while back and uh I think you know when you were just speaking about why you created the blog, I think it's great that you want to give that insight into a more personal side of yourself to your parishioners as well as you know anybody who's listening if they're on a commute to work, if they're winding down from the night um you know it gives a lot of time for reflection in those moments and um I think you know I'm just very thrilled this is this is happening, and uh, you know in the world of many. Um, negativity today, uh, I think we are going to try to focus on some positivity and bring that about for the community out there who's listening and uh, Orthodox Christians or non-Orthodox Christians, whoever who might be listening. So I think, um, I'll just tell you a little bit about how I came in contact with you. Um, A fellow um, colleague in the comic book arena, I've, I've been involved in comics off and on Through my career as an illustrator, and I should say that I am actually a professional artist and I've worked as an illustrator for the last 22, 23 years off and on, art direction, Uh, I've actually been in IT project management. I kind of have my hands in a lot of different things, Uh, but a few years ago I got back into the con circuit or comic con circuit as it's called convention, uh, con is convention for short, uh, short acronym. Um, And I exhibited in the New York Comic Con Artist Alley, and I realized how things really had changed in the industry, and how much, um, you know, I had been following it as a fan, but, you know, I kind of got back into doing an independent comic with a friend, and when we got into the Artist Alley, which is the Artist Showcase area, there were a thousand artists in here with all these wonderful properties, uh, besides the big uh, two, as we call it, Marvel and DC, all these independent titles, and... I had gotten to know um, Brian Glass, who is a writer for Image Comics. Uh, He wrote Mice Templar, a wonderful uh, title, and uh, another called Furious. And he has done work in other properties. But what I thought was very interesting is that he and his wife had um, converted recently to Orthodoxy through the channel of, I I guess you would say, the Ethnicity of the uh, Romanian Church but still nonetheless orthodoxy and it really played a part in I think his development as a writer and his development as a person and that they shared in that. Uh, for I too uh, am married and my wife converted from a Methodist uh, denominational background and really embraced the orthodoxy and as of today she is involved with the youth activities, a Sunday school teacher, um, you know, she's, she's very involved in our church and our faith and you know it's it was interesting to see someone in that arena uh that you know we are both orthodox christians and you know he I, you know, I was telling my wife well you know he comes from a protestant background you came from a protestant background um and it's interesting how you know their paths were different but similar and um so that kind of led me to you where you had interviewed him and he sent me the interv- the uh first blog uh, that I read of yours which was his interview and I was really taken by it and then I reached out to you and and then you asked to interview me. So I think it was just a natural progression and ever since we've, you know, become friends and we've talked you know, as much as we can, because we're very busy, both of us. You being, a, I think the busiest uh, person outside the president of the United States is a priest of any denomination. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think you guys never sleep. Uh, you're always on call, whether it be a baby's born, someone's passing, someone's at the hospital, the festival. Well, with the Greeks, you got the festival in mind, you got uh, different types of, um, you know, Uh, events happening at the church Uh, you're trying to build your community and your flock so uh, so to speak so I'm just um, I'm honored that you are willing to take the time uh, to do this with me and as like you said it's a ministry and that's how I feel about it myself and uh, it's also put simply uh, two Greek boys who were uber geeks getting together and talking about comics on the basic level and going further with it. And maybe some art thrown in there and creative types.
1: <laughs> sign, sign me up. <laughs> Sounds great. Looking so, forward to
0: uh, Well, tell me real quick, tell me a little bit about Castro Valley and how you got there from Seattle and to the seminary and or seminary to Seattle and to Castro Valley, whichever way it goes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so... Thanks, Chris. And um, yeah, uh, I just figured uh, for those who may be listening right now, this is our first episode, so we, we, we're going to do our secret origins episode, I figured. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll start with with my secret origins, so to speak, although it's not so secret. Um, so yeah, so I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, born and raised. Um, uh, I graduated from University of Washington in 2004 and uh right around the time that i was in college i started feeling um a calling to the priesthood Uh, it it definitely is a calling i know it's different for everybody some guys feel like it's a bolt of lightning that just comes out of the sky and one day you're just walking somewhere and then boom you know it happens or maybe if somebody's an altar boy when they're a kid or something or some kind of an experience they have for others it's a much more gradual thing for me um i I guess it was a little bit of both Um, Obviously, I'm, you know, uh, not that it matters in terms of being Orthodox, but I am ethnically Greek. My, my dad's an immigrant. My mom was born here to Greek immigrants. So we grew up um, speaking Greek in the home. We grew up going to Greece every other summer for almost the entire summer. So uh, it, was a, it was a tremendous experience, especially seeing an Orthodox country, you know, for many months out of the year and seeing miracle sites and uh, going to different churches and stuff. We were active in my home parish growing up. um, You know, we did Greek dance. We did youth group. We did, uh, I was an altar boy. All my brothers and I were altar boys. Um, You know, just very fond memories of of my childhood and growing up. And it was really, really great. And growing up in Seattle as well. Not a huge Greek community in Seattle. um, More of a, uh, in terms of the Orthodox presence in Seattle, there was more of a Russian presence, I'd say. Because um, at some point, you know, the Russians... um, They did send missionaries to Alaska, um, and St. Herman of Alaska, for instance, was a missionary to the Aleuts and did a lot of tremendous work. He was a saint, and others, Saint Innocent, um, people like that. Um, The Russians kind of came down through Canada, British Columbia, um, and even Washington State, and even Northern California. They established a couple little communities um, kind of throughout the entire uh, West Coast in a lot of ways, but in terms of the Greek Orthodox community, there were two churches growing up. Now there's three, which is awesome, um, and uh, yeah. So we kind of bounced around a little bit. We uh, considered, you know, all three in one way or another our home. So it was great. So anyway, forgive me for um, kind of backtracking a little yeah, bit, know. but so so when I got got to college, um, you know, when I was deciding, um, you know what. I wanted to major in, what career path I wanted to follow. Um, there were a lot of things I was thinking of. I was thinking of maybe being a, 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 a professor, a, you know, an attorney, a sports journalist. I mean, there was a lot of different well, things.
0: run the awesome gamut there. there. What was that? you're running the gamut <laughs> from <laughs> sports journalist sure. to attorney I thought
1: you I thought you meant running the gamut because I said attorney and I got the priest somehow no I don't Yeah know. Well, you just...
0: could have been a sports journalist just don't get into the betting you know because then you need the <laughs> lawyer
1: <laughs> By no means yeah absolutely so um, anyway so you know again maybe it's a it's a longer story for another day but just the readers digest version was um, I talked to my priest about it I was I was getting a, nothing was really feeling right um, but ultimately I started feeling like I was being called to ministry and um, it was a very scary idea at first because no one in my family has ever been a priest before. I think the closest it gets is that my my grandfather's like second cousin, I want to say married a priest. I think that was about as close as it gets and I never met um, that relative. So, but nevertheless, um, you know, after a lot of praying and a lot of soul searching, a lot of counseling and coaching from uh, people around me and uh, in my church community, um, I, I, finally decided to pursue it. <clears throat> I, um, I told my, <clears throat> excuse me, find a little bit of cold here when you're not sleeping well, when you've got a newborn, on oh, homeless, yeah. this, <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, maybe we want to edit that part out when it comes That's to it anyway. Fine. So, um, yeah, no. So basically, uh, you know, towards the end of college, I put in my application to the seminary, told my parents about it. Finally, um, my mom said she saw it coming. Uh, my dad was completely blindsided. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, moms Moms just know these things, I guess, and especially... Yeah,
0: in, mo- mother's intuition, so to speak.
1: Mother's intuition, exactly. So, um, anyway, but uh, after after a while, you know, obviously I... Um,
0: and you're one of five boys, right?
1: I'm one of five boys, yeah, wow. I forgot to mention this, thank you. Um, so I'm the second of five boys, and... Um, yeah, so there was a lot of uh, food being cooked at the
0: house. Let's just put it that way. A lot of Growing. testosterone in that house. <laughs> Poor mom.
1: We went through several couches and lampshades. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah. Well,
0: I have an older brother, and only, even two can do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, it'll, it'll, that'll happen Did well. Did you get the Kutala? Yeah, we have two boys now as well. Did so. the Kutala come out much? The wooden spoon? Kutala the padofla. You
1: know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that untranslated, that part. <laughs> So anyway, just to kind of just to kind of move and move the story along. So basically, I, I, um, you know, I decided decided to say yes. And I and I'm very glad I did, because now, even though even though it took a lot of um, adjusting to, you know, when I was a young adult, um, even saying yes, as reluctantly as I did years and years ago now, I feel I've been blessed many, many, many times over. Um, You know, there's nothing I could do with my life now that would make me even close to as happy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just an incredible, um, incredible blessing. So I graduated seminary 2008. As I mentioned earlier, I got married um, August of 2008. I was ordained a deacon December of 2008. So I've been in San Francisco serving as a lay assistant about three months at that point. And I was actually a deacon for three years, um, which is not a usual thing. So for those who may not know or be familiar, the Orthodox Church has three orders of clergy. We have deacon, priest, and bishop. Um, in Protestant denominations, a deacon is basically like a parish council member, right. someone who helps the church or might be on the board of the church, um, helping in some capacity uh, in ministry. Um, in our church, the diaconate is a, is an ordained um, clerical position. It was started in the Book of Acts. Um, when the apostles, as Christianity was growing, did not want to neglect preaching for philanthropy, if you believe it. And we place a great emphasis on philanthropy. But they said so that the apostles basically decided to continue uh, preaching, and so they established the first deacons. And St. Stephen, as we hear, the first martyr of the church, who celebrated on two days after Christmas, December 27th, was also a deacon. In fact, he was an archdeacon. So that's kind of like... Uh, An archdeacon is kind of like what I was because our bishop is based in San Francisco. Um, I, you know, was uh, working at the bishop's offices part time as the metropolis youth director. So I would coordinate kind of events and stuff on the West Coast. Um, you know, and I was a deacon at the same time, and I was serving, you know, part time at the parish, the the cathedral parish as well. So I was doing a lot of different things, and uh, including traveling with the bishop. So for the first three years, that's why I was a deacon for so long, is because I was kind of an assistant to the bishop, the metropolitan. So I was a deacon for three years, and then I was ordained to the priesthood August of 2011. On August 15th, which is the feast day of the Mother of God, the Dormition of the Theotokos, um, specifically, uh, which I found out later on was the day that I was also baptized. Uh, My parents told me after I told them, yeah, after I told them that the bishop had that day in mind, they said, oh, by the way, I think that's the day we baptized you um, in Greece. So it was pretty cool. So. So after I was a priest, I was ordained a priest in 2011. Uh, I, I stayed at the cathedral full time at that point. So I was still in San Francisco, but no longer um, helping at the bishop's offices. He had, um, you know, moved me to the parish full time since I had been ordained, and I was there about four and a half years. And then at the end of those four and a half years, um, the bishop said, "You know, I might have need of you at another parish. What do you think about going to another church in the Bay Area?" And my answer to not just that, but basically everything has at least attempted to be, um, you know, whatever God wants, whatever the church needs. Um, you know, whatever you say your eminence is, uh, kind of my attitude I try to have. So, um, you know, just kind of a submission of, of will, I guess, you know, for, 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 um, you know, for the ministry and for, um, for the people of God really. So, you know, as, as best I can, I don't always fulfill that calling, but I try to do my best there. Um, anyway, so, so uh, November of 2015, so exactly two years ago, as of uh, last week, uh, I came to Castro Valley. Um, their priest had been uh, transferred to a parish in the Los Angeles area um, because a priest from down there had moved to um, back to his home parish in Salt Lake City. And uh, so there was a vacancy here and the bishop said, you know, I think I want you to, to try uh, going out there. Now Castro Valley is a, a smaller community than uh, my previous parish, it's about 200 families. It's a a wonderful, wonderful community. There is a a great mix of um, young and seasoned, shall we say. There's a lot of kids here, a lot of young families. Even though we're 200 families, we have over 80 kids signed up in Sunday school. Um, Yeah, it's just really fantastic. We've got great leadership here. There's some of those young families, um, you know, and and the Old Guard as well, um, a great mix, uh, are on parish council, and they're all very much willing to work. Um, They really want to... You know, see the church grow. Um, we've um, embarked on a capital campaign to one day build a new church because we're we're on two acres only in our on our property and have been since the 70s. And so we've really maxed out the property. So we're getting ready to uh, move further out there, uh, further into the Tri Valley, which is where more of our most of our families are coming from these days. Because the Bay Area continues to grow, as do mo- most of the cities on the West Coast, and uh, you know it continues to spill further east let's say so uh, we're hoping to uh, in the next couple of years very near future um, identify a property that we like and build a new church out there with bigger facilities Um, more acreage more parking you know the whole nine yards so it's really exciting to be a part of that Um, you know we have a lot of ministries going on too so day-to-day is going well Um, I think long-term is going well I'm a glass half full kind of guy so I think that um, I would see I would try to find the good uh, anywhere but so not just not just in my own parish, but uh, even though it is my own parish, I feel like it's going very, very well. So, yeah, so ministry is going well, and I hope to have time to uh, do a podcast as often as we can so that we can continue to try to... Uh, not just you know focus on uh, the big picture of the church but also the day-to-day ministries of the church and hopefully help not only people in my community but other communities as we as we've said so um, so that's a little bit about kind of my um, you know career thus far in the church and uh, how I got to where I am
0: great and we are congratulating father on a recent birth of their baby uh, Dimitri right correct and he has an older brother by two years or three years two and a half years Two and a half. Christo, my namesake <laughs> exactly so, and, uh, and exactly. presby so they're they're doing some good stuff out there in castro valley uh getting all this um done for the parish while trying to uh uh build a family and believe me i'm not a priest and i have one child and that's a challenge so god bless you <laughs> on many levels um as far Thanks, as like, uh, likewise my friend oh thank, thank you, you. As uh, as I'm listening to you, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey for you, and uh, I, I find it fascinating that there wasn't really nobody in your family lineage that was really a priest to maybe bounce off ideas or whatever, whereas in my background, my father's two uncles were priests, and they were actually iconographers as well. They did all their iconography in Greece in their churches. So I have always heard a lineage or a history of our lineage, uh, from war heroes to priests to deacons and it's it's interesting how, you know, we all come from different paths um, and, uh, you know, what leads us and, you know, to where we are uh, I myself, you know as a young person was always drawn to the iconography of the church speaking about icons, the Byzantine icons uh, just because being an artist, I started as a young age four or five years old and I always thought you know, these are the comic books of the church these are the the striking images that taught the people, the stories of the church, and uh, at one point, you know, I had considered not only priesthood myself, but I thought I was more geared towards the beauty of the icons. That maybe someday I could become an iconographer, and I had pursued that a little bit, and which actually you know led me to art school. But I, being a, um, I think also a, an American teenager, I had a huge wish to be a comic book artist just cuz at the time you know you, you you know if you were really into drawing back in the late 70s early 80s you know you basically had very limited source material as a young person growing up unless it was a comic book oriented thing cuz they had to know how to draw they had to know how to draw the figure and positions and and composition so this is why I think a lot of young men and women back then really got involved with comics. Today, I think it's just more of a global globalization and familiarity with all these characters, but there's something to say about how when I was young, uh, you know, I, the the book that everybody had or talked about was How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way uh, by John Bishima. So it's like if you didn't have that on your art desk or your little studio area, um, you know, it was just something you sought out. Then, you know, you would go to uh, back then what a comic convention was, was basically just a bunch of dealers in a little hotel lodge selling comic books, Silver Age comic books. So you didn't have these huge conventions like you do today. Uh, They had bigger ones in in New York City and maybe Los Angeles but not to the level of these mega cons that you see San Diego Comic-Con and New York Comic-Con. And in fact, I think they're getting a little way too big, uh, those for comfort. I mean, just even safety level. I was at New York Comic-Con and uh, the air conditioning in the basement wasn't working where the artist's alley was because they're reconstructing the artist's alley on the other side of the Javits Center. You know, going to take four years, so they crammed everybody in the basement, and I got there on Friday. And a young lady who was in the alley, an artist, uh, passed out. So it's like when you get too many people in a crowded uh, venue, then then that's not good. Uh, but you know, I'm get, uh, getting off track here a little bit. But as far as Was my... it
1: was it the air conditioning or was it because Chris Evans was there?
0: Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> there were so many celebrities <laughs> at these the you know, New York and and San Diego are very celebrity oriented. So, uh, you know, you have all walks of life coming through there. But um you know, it, it, is a, it is an experience. If you've never been to one of the larger conventions, I've never been to San Diego, but I've been to New York Comic Con a few times, and it rivals the numbers of San Diego, which are now, I believe, 200,000 attendees. But if you actually look at it, uh, at the scheme of the population and how mainstream uh, it is in pop culture, uh, comic book superheroes, that's really a tiny fraction. I mean, if you figured you got everybody out you 'd have millions of people <laughs> going to these things uh it, you know it 's really it 's amazing and how cross generational it is where uh, you know just that we just passed Halloween and I was at my son 's Halloween parade, and I swear to you when I was a kid, you would see maybe a few superheroes uh, you know mostly sports figures and you know the traditional costumes and everything with superhero video game characters which i i would say fall under the realm of fantasy or sci-fi and uh... i mean i saw twenty five little spider-man walk by you know man of steel you know in its what's nice is i mean a lot of these are positive role models for these young children and uh... You know, that's you know where do, where do we look to find these role models and I was nice to see because I think if maybe ten years ago, uh, you know, you would see a lot of um, the the gory type costumes and the horror costumes, and I don't see as much of that for the children anymore. Which to me, I'm not really into horror. Never really was. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I like science fiction with thrill, you know, like a, th- a thrilling aspect and things like that. But uh, mainstream horror was never something that drew to me, and I think. It's just the type of personality I am, so I think uh, seeing all these uh, kids dressed as superheroes always it gives me a, a little tickle inside, It gives me a kick out of it. And, and being that I'm so into it, and having my six-year-old, you know, he is just into every superhero. I mean, everything uh, is related. His toys are related to superheroes. He loves um, Spider-Man. He loves. Uh, now he's really, into, I think he's, they progress into different things. Now he's into Ninja Turtles, which is fine. He was one of my uh, idols growing up, uh, Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, uh, a very interesting independent comic. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to see how uh, the mainstream popular culture has accepted comic books as an actual art form and beyond that. Um I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> I think that you said a lot about it, and you basically laid out our premise for us. I think, um, which I think is perfect. I don't wanna. I don't think I need to say anything else about that. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. I think it's great where we're at right now, and it's a lot of fun for guys like you and me. Do you want to talk maybe about how uh, Artisticon came about? I mean, I think it'd be a, a sure. missed opportunity. Sure. You know, if Artisticon
0: we, is an educational conference that. Um, was in the works from, ooh, well, actually several years now. We actually had the first show at the tail end of uh, 2016, September. Uh, it took us a, more than a few years to get it off the ground. Um, basically, I had gone with a friend mm-hmm. to a um, convention geared towards fantasy artists back in 2008, called, at that time called the LuxCon. They have now rebranded it to IX. Uh, but everybody still calls it a LuxCon. That's like the common name that people know it on the street. And they've just passed; they just had their tenth year. And what what they do is basically bring in top fantasy illustrators and fine art painters, and the collectors come in from all over the world to buy their originals. But they sell prints, and then they have a, a night showcase where they bring in emerging artists and painters and sculptors and, you know, to show off their wares and those are, are younger people that want to get into the field. And they also have some programming involved where mm-hmm. the artists mm-hmm. talk about their careers and how they got to where they are and what they wanted, you know, what they wanted to do and how they wound up with fantasy. Uh, they'll have, um, you know, actual demonstrations, things like that. And I always thought, you know, th- I, I always appreciated fantasy art. I wasn't a huge, f- like I love Frank Frazetta's work and Boris Vallejo and I've I've had the, Luxury of meeting Boris and his wife and his, um, his uh, stepson Dave was actually a guest of honor at Artistic Con, a, a great artist in his own right, and I've become great friends with his son Dorian. So I mean, you you make a lot of these really wonderful friendships in this community, um, but like I was saying, I was a hardcore comic person, so my my focus I really wanted to be a comic book artist, and I had worked in the field at the time my wife and I just were married and my friend said let's go to this fairly new conference and sounds interesting to see you know some of these professionals we know throughout our lives that have worked in comics, worked in fantasy and see you know what this is all about and I was really intrigued by the the programming and I thought that was really what stood out for me and I said this would be great to kind of translate this uh, at the time you know for a comic book aficionado, someone young or someone trying to break into the comic book field, so we would bring in artists and writers and uh, kind of have like a two- day boot camp of mentoring and uh, sessions about our lectures, <coughs> workshops, panels, and connect the 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 people to the professionals that want to get into the field. Well, kind of grew out grew well beyond that. And um, my friend Enrico, who traveled with me to the con, coined the term Artisticon, we kind of basically branched out beyond comic books. We looked at it as just the creative process of the artist, uh, whether you're a creator uh, visually or a writer, and how you um, bridge between the genres of maybe fine art into commercial aspects. Uh, I mentioned Dave Palumbo's Boris's stepson. He's a well-known fine art painter. He graduated from Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts years ago, and not only does he do paintings and gallery shows, but he does a lot of uh, comic book covers for Dark Horse Comics, Aliens vs. Predators. So it just shows you that you can work in many different fields. You can be a fine artist, you can work in commercial aspect. Um, So that's where we kind of uh, branched out, and we, we had a good first year. Uh, We had about 200 attendees, 26 guest creators. um, And it really grew into something we didn't expect because we we were interviewed on a podcast named Pencil Kings. And um, once that interview happened with Enrico and I, we got a lot more interest from professionals in the field. So they came to us. I was seeking out them at some conventions, one being called Special Edition. And everybody that I went to, I was kind of interviewing them. I was like, are they really into the the idea of the mentoring or giving back and those personalities that I found a, similar to mine were similar to that mindset those are the ones I reached out and emailed I, I took notes and kept kept it like a log and everyone that I reached out to got back to me in the sense I'm interested um, so then we we talked about you know creating the programming and that was the next step so running a convention w- is a big undertaking luckily um, my wife uh, has a background really in project management, and uh, she's just very good at organizational uh, skills. That way, she uh, early in her career she worked at a radio station, and she used to run the uh, a country music radio station. So she used to run twenty-five thousand people event. <laughs> so she was used to big events, and this was in her twenties. So she was she was used to logistics and things of that nature. She then got into philanthropy. Uh, working for the Merck Foundation and now she's working for the Food Bank of South Jersey where we live Uh, so she deals a lot with the community, she deals with people Uh, so that was very advantageous to have that not only as your wife but as your project manager Um, second of all we had a wonderful uh, who's actually monitoring this podcast um, gentleman that ran the arts center where we had the um, first artistic con and he became part of the artistic con team uh we call it a family and a team is the general term i call it family uh sean stippic and we also had bill and bill uh haas and miranda powell a young couple from uh, a local university uh that she is the uh director of their outreach program for the uh stedman art gallery for the state university and they run a, a Brick-and-Mortar Comic-Con called, or conventional, whatever whatever you want to call it, uh, Camden Comic-Con out of the city of Camden, New Jersey. And they give a lot back to the community by having the attendance for those young people and families that come in free because a lot of these urban families do not have the money or the ability to buy comics or go to a comic shop. So they bring in the known creators, and they have grown that show uh, over four years to 3,000 attendees. They've had some great guests, including Chris Claremont. And um, they are also part of Team Artisticon, and they really got behind the message of what we were trying to do. And uh, we kind of took, a, I would say, about a, eight months off. We had dealt with a venue. We thought we are going to do one in 17, but that kind of got uh, messed up a little bit due to a double booking and we took some time off, tweaked our idea, and now we're looking at a uh, location of Philadelphia, one of the major um, art fac- art schools and their facilities. So we're, we're in the negotiation of that now, so we're looking at later 2018, maybe early 2019, but it gives us time to really build out our uh, programming, get some uh, guests that we really are targeting, and uh, hopefully bring a lot more people out, not just young people, but people that might be um, uh, transitioning in their career, there's been a lot of downsizing. Uh, you know, I I know people that have been art directors or or worked as artists, and now they're looking for their next venture because you know that that has dried up. So we are trying to connect the right people, uh, you know, to these to these creators. So that's basically what ArtisticCon is, and. We have, you know, a heavily comic book track. We have a fine art track. We have fantasy, sci-fi, video games, gaming and animation. But me as, you know, the personally, my favorite part is the comic aspect because I get to bring out some of my idols and meet them and some of them have become friends. And uh, you get some insight into the history of, say, the Marvel bullpen. Um, you know, what was it like back in the day? What was it like to meet Stanley and work with him? What was it like to, you know, work with, you know, John Ramita Sr. Uh, you know, these are all idols that I had growing up and, uh, you know, now that I'm actually in collaboration with some of them, I would never have thought I (laughs) I would have gotten to this point, but it's nice because I think a lot of them are on the same mindset of, you know, they're, they're up in years and they're looking to pass on, their knowledge and they know that if we don't keep the art form going um it it may eventually um not continue i'm not saying comics won't continue or comic books or graphic novels but i think there's that notion of it's an art form and let's keep it an art form very cool chris yeah
1: yeah and i was going to say um Two things, actually. Number one is 2018 and 2019 would not definitely not be the end of the world for having a comic show uh, or, an, you know, for Artisticon. Because at that point, uh, Avengers Infinity War will have been released. And I think that DC was planning a Justice League part two. We'll see if that happens little, I guess, uh, teaser for our next episode. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think that'd be, it'd be, uh, it might be even a blessing in disguise for you guys.
0: Um, yeah, and we, I mean, I, I do try to make it clear to people that we're not really a Comic-Con. Even though we have the con attached to Artista, um, we do encourage people that if you're fans and want to come out and meet the creators. But this is for people that really want to get and meet Thank the, the, mm-hmm. the, um, pr- the um, creative minds behind these properties. And how do I get, it? if you want to get into the field where you want to pick their brains or you want to sit in a three hour lecture with Carl Potts uh, and actually go through the whole book of Inside the Art of Visual Storytelling that DC Comics put out by him? I mean, you're actually taking these great lectures that are offered at Pixar and Sony to their employees. So we're kind of bringing that in house to a local level where it's affordable for not only general mission people, but also um, students. So we have that that ability to um, kind of bring people out of their shells. I think a lot of today we have, um, and I don't know why this is, but I see a lot more social anxiety with younger people, uh, and they tend to want to do things strictly online or chat. And if it's, if it's not that way, they could get they get very nervous to go and to places and, um, you know, and I, I, I would like to say that that's something we want to break down those barriers. Now, I think, you know, if you come from, like, my background, I was a very shy kid, but I had been involved with groups and all that and in, in, in growing up. So I think, like, Goya and things like that did help me break out of my shell. And I think, you know, those are good things too. So we like we like to try to you know, promote, um, you know, positivity at these things too. Cause I think there's a lot of, uh, people that, you know, suffer from, uh, that, that anxiety that go out of their comfort zone.
1: Yeah. Chris, you know, you mentioned, um, Janet during the course of this and how much she helps you. And by the way, thank you for sharing that because, uh, I didn't know that she used to work at a country music station. I knew that she helped you, but I didn't know how extensive her background was in this. I think that's awesome. And it should go, um, without saying but we will say it um, absolutely that uh, we definitely owe a lot to our spouses and you know uh, oh, yeah. they have very much inspired a lot of this I remember that when I did my interview with you that um, I remember when when I called you um, Janet was on the phone too and you said no Janet and I Jan, Janet and I are going to do this together you said uh, because Janet has been a part of this the whole way so I think that was awesome of you and I think that was uh, a reflection of um, I mean again we all, do our best, and nobody's perfect. But you know, I think that uh, you're on the right track as far as being a good husband and dad. Oh, and uh, of course, and uh, I would like to say uh, also that uh, my wife, Presbitera Stella, give her a shout out as well. Absolutely, um, love you, sweetheart. Thank you for the help with all of this, and for uh, pushing me to be um, the best clergyman that I can be, and uh, being okay with me taking an hour out of my day once in a while to uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk to buddies about. Uh, uh comic books we disguise it as saying it's for the ministry but it's really yeah.
0: for us honest, it gets tough with uh, a wife and a child and you know your ministry and my business and my ventures you, you got to really budget your time in the day and then sure. you know you get to the point of where it's 11 o'clock at night and you're like do i want to keep plugging away or I just want to go to sleep <laughs> so uh yeah and as you get old I mean you're a baby to me I mean you're younger than me but uh uh <laughs> as I get in my late 40s here uh you're starting to feel things you never felt before like Oh, uh, what's the new ache and pain I'm going to wake up to today? So, <laughs> especially with the change of seasons out on here on the East Coast, I mean it's cold today, and it's like I'm feeling it in my my bones. <laughs> the chiropractor yeah. gets a visit from me ever so often. So, but um, yeah, all all joking aside, yeah, I, I think we do owe a lot to our wives, and uh, I I feel very blessed that not only did I marry a woman that. Uh, has a strong love of her faith in in Christ, but it's you know she embraced the denomination that she did not grow up in, and, and uh, I'm very very happy that we can share in that with our child. Um, and she's very behind that notion that you know Dean is our first priority, and uh, he always will be, and you know he was he's a gift to us uh, as you, um, you know, absolutely feel about your children. And, uh, you know, to me, he's absolutely a gift from God. And I thank, thank God every day for him. So
1: God bless you guys.
0: Well, that wraps it up for the first episode of creative blessings with father, Nico Beckers and Chris Katsakis. And we really thank you for joining us. And, uh, Please join us for episode two, where we actually go into talking about some uh, comic book uh, stuff. (laughs) I guess it's best word. we're going to be talking about uh, the Justice League of America and uh, how it reflects the theology and our daily lives.
1: Thank you, everybody. See you next
0: time. Thank you. Bye-bye.